0: Welcome to episode number 44 of the Fiduciary You Podcast. I've broken this one into two parts, so make sure you check both of them out. You won't want to miss either one. My guest on this episode is John Faustino, who's head of FI360. John has become a good friend and incredible mentor of mine as I pivoted into the fintech world, and we had a great conversation where we covered a lot of ground. John's been in the industry over 30 years, first at Morningstar and then moving to Fi360 as Chief Product and Strategy Officer, and then continuing as the organizational leader after its acquisition by Broadridge. On this episode, we discuss topics that range from how the technology landscape for advisors is evolving, the trend towards collaboration and partnership between fintech providers, which is leading to a better experience for end users, the generational differences between advisors and how this impacts technology adoption, how technology is empowering new solutions like guaranteed income and ESG, why the trend towards fiduciary practices and principles is going to accelerate, and much more. So make sure to listen to parts one and two with your favorite podcast app. And with that, I hope you enjoy these episodes with John Faustino. John, welcome to the Fiduciary you podcast. I am uh, super excited to have you on the show today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Josh. Very happy to be here with you.
0: Well, you are somebody I have a tremendous amount of respect for, um, uh, in the industry and you've been in the industry a long time, I think probably 30 plus years or so. And, and, um, obviously running FI 360 now, but, but Morningstar, um, uh, as well, kind of in your, your background, uh, maybe talk briefly, uh, for those of listening that, that, that may not, um, know, uh know much about you or know much about your background. Tell a little bit about your story and, and how
1: you got to where you are uh, today. Sure. Thanks. Th- thanks again for having me, Josh. So you know, I, I studied finance in college, undergrad, and thought that I wanted to be a financial advisor. I interned at one of the wire when I was in college um, and, you know, had a really interesting experience there. Uh, learned the difference between Fiduciary and non-fiduciary advisors um, back then and in, in 1990. I think it was when I when I interned and um, Ended up not going into finance right out of college went into technology Anderson Consulting um, But then transitioned back into technology uh, Sorry into, into finance later and had that kind of hybrid um, finance technology Experience at a very large asset manager Brinson partners that was bought by UBS um, and then eventually Morningstar and now um, FI 360 so um, very early interest in finance, very early interest in financial advising. Um, and I, I would say really uh, a, a lot of interest in supporting financial advisors. So I'm, I'm more of a, a support staff kind of individual in, in, as opposed to being a player, certainly in the financial advisor space. But, um, it's that combination of technology and finance interest that, that brought me to where I am today. And so
0: when did you when did you start working at morningstar i mean you had to be fairly early on
1: to the morningstar years so i started at morningstar in july of 2001 um, okay. and there were good good time people there yeah yeah so i was there yeah before we went public in in may of 2005 really incredible organization very much focused on doing the right thing for investors first and foremost um so it was uh it was a great 14 or 15 years I had there
0: and from there you went directly to Fi360 how did right um or did you make a stop in between
1: so I I, I did some um consulting after I left Morningstar and my good friend Matt Walnowitz who had left Morningstar a year or two before me and went to Fi360 brought me over to Fi360 um, as a consultant initially, and then eventually I came on full time and ran product and strategy.
0: Love Wolny, also a former fiduciary. You guest, um, such a such a great guy. Um, and actually, actually, with what he's doing now with Income America, we'll talk a little bit about that later in the show and some of the things that that both you personally are doing, kind of industry wise, uh, with with guaranteed income and also. I think what uh, potentially what what fi three hundred and sixty how how fi three hundred and sixty is thinking about uh, the possibility of, of guaranteed income out in the market. Um, what was the biggest difference in going from probably a much bigger organization like a Morningstar to an fi three hundred and sixty?
1: Well, you know it's really interesting. When I started at Morningstar, it was not the the Morningstar that that I left. When I started, there were a few hundred people there. Um, we, we were not a public organization. We had some private equity uh, funding us. So it was a different um, scale when I started versus versus when I left. When I came to FI 360, we were owned by private equity, um, maybe 70 or 80 individuals at the time. So in, in a lot of ways, it reminded me of that Morningstar, mm-hmm. kind of early 2000s experience that I had where um, you had to wear a lot of hats, um, Different, different challenges, different opportunities. Absolutely incredible energy um, and a great, um, great leadership from uh, from Rich Lynch, who's one of the founders of uh, of FI three hundred and sixty. Who's actually still there now. He's going to be leaving at the end of this year. But um, I think going to FI three hundred and sixty when I did really reinvigorated me, um, and I see that that energy that we had. Seven years ago or so is um, is still there, and and that's what continues to, to fuel me now.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's great. So, you know, and and I was a you know have been an AIF since I think maybe two thousand five two thousand six was an early Fi three hundred and sixty um, you know toolkit uh, user uh, when I had my firm and 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 practice as well. And how have you seen kind of the evolution of uh, fintech and kind of tools for advisors. Like how have you seen that change, um, uh, over the, let's say the last maybe five or 10 years and where do you see, uh, where do you see it going in the future? Where do you see the opportunities, uh, and, and needs for advisors in the future from a fintech perspective? Sure.
1: Yeah. So one of one of, one of the trends that I see in the last five or 10 years that I'm really excited about is, practitioners or former practitioners like yourself getting involved in the space. Um, I mentioned I'm more of a, I've always been a support individual. Um, I did, I worked in financial services for an asset management firm, for a trust firm. I was an officer on a, on a closed end bond fund, but I never had a book of business. Um, I never served as a financial advisor and it's really exciting from my perspective to see individuals like you who know where the challenges were from a technology, perspective when when they were working and you're helping address those issues for your for your former peers now now clients I think that's really exciting so I think there's um, the way that technology has been democratized it's it's easier to do it I think today than it would have been 20 years ago or 30 years ago certainly and probably even easier than five years ago um, it's it's really great to see the um, the connectedness between the people that are creating these solutions and their awareness of the communities that they're they're serving. So I think um, current advisors, former advisors, developing tools for their peers is is a trend that I don't see slowing down, Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's something I'm really excited about. Another trend that I see is more collaboration among fintech firms where um, historically, there's been some of this kind of elbowing out, like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to do everything for everyone. And I think there's a realization that, um, in this, in this day and age, there's great opportunities for specialization and collaboration. So we've had some great partnerships with, um, with organizations where we're trying to create more seamless workflows between one application, um, and another. And I think that's, that's going to continue as well, too. I, I still think that in, financial services were, were behind. Um, If you look at what happens just in general with individual consumer technology, the, the pace of change, the scale um, and, and the like of, of change is a lot faster for my daughters and, you know, the applications they're using versus what, what a lot of financial advisors get their, get their hands on. Um, So I still think we have a ways to go, but I think that some of the, um, innovation that we're seeing more mass market is, is going to make its way in, in, in an increasing pace.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting what, and, and, you know, I even think about that to go back to that, that, you know, collaboration piece that you talked about, you know, you look at, at 20 years ago and, you know, you had, uh, you know, you had Microsoft and Apple were like mortal enemies, right? They were, um, you know, and it, it was kind of this kind of closed ecosystem, right? You were either, you know, you were either Apple or you were Windows. And now it's more of this, you know, probably frenemy type. You know, you think about um, uh, with Microsoft, like they basically said, hey, we're going to design office apps, if you will, that are going to work really, really well on Apple and, io, you know, Mac and iOS products. And so there is that kind of collaboration, you know, at the end of the day, it's more of like a rising tide raises all, you know, raises all ships. Um, and so this this kind of this collaborative approach, instead of kind of maybe co-opetition, maybe that's another way to describe it, instead of just sure. total, you know, total competition. I think that's actually good for the marketplace. I think people want like some freedom and some flexibility, and you know, it's not just it's just not one or the other. It's really hard. I know, even as being an advisor, when you have to plant your flag. It's much better if things can kind of coexist and you can maybe take the best of, you know, the best of all worlds and kind of bring them together. Um, Why do you think financial services technology though? Is it, is it regulatory? Is it compliance? Is it just age of users? Like, what do you think is the reason that in our industry adoption of technology maybe is slower than what we see, you know, out in the, uh, other industries are out the the marketplace
1: I think compliance is certainly an issue and not just not just regulatory compliance um, as we maybe think about it from a from a Department of Labor a risk SEC perspective but compliance from a, uh, a financial technology perspective in terms of some of the things that home offices are are burdened, burdened with making sure that applications meet certain hurdles before they can be rolled out to a 1,000 advisors or or 10,000 advisors. Um, I think that plays a role. I think there's there's also the fact that there aren't a ton of individuals that have the experience that you have, for example, that are designing applications for um, financial advisors. So, again, I think that that trend is going to continue. We've seen some – I've seen some great success with that in the past. Um, I think that's going to help. So I, I think that's an issue, um, and I, I think there's some tentativeness from from some organizations as well too. Maybe because they don't have that expertise, and it's like how how big of a bet are we going to place on financial advisors for this service or that service, um, unless we know we're going to be successful? So I think it's really a a, a confluence of things. Um, but getting getting back to your point about that competition, I think the maybe one one final trend that I'm seeing is a greater focus on serving clients, being very client-centric, as opposed to kind of fighting your, your competition. And I think that's where that competition comes in, that, that collaboration with um, with technology firms, when they, when they really focus on what they need to do to give a better experience to the end advisor user, whether that means building something new, plugging something in. I think that mindset um, has really been welcomed by a lot of organizations. And I think the aggregators are helping with that. Um, If you look at the challenges that they're facing, where they're bringing in a lot of advisors that are using all these different systems and services, they wanna find a way to keep them happy in the immediate term and and bring things together long-term. So I think the aggregators and the nature of their business models are are forcing us to have more of these discussions than than we've had in the past.
0: No, I, I think that's really, really good insight. And it's been interesting what I've even seen now kind of in this, you know, um, with with building technology, um, you know, my, my whole thing was I was always looking for ways to, you know, I view technology as an investment, not as an expense and looking for ways to do things better, to do things more efficiently, to do things with better scale. If I could find a product that worked great, if I couldn't, I basically would, You know build something for myself to solve problems that i had it's been interesting now though seeing um, and dealing with lots of firms from rias to independent broker dealers to aggregators like i'm totally with you the aggregators are really pushing the envelope in my opinion they are um uh, they're very focused on innovation they are very focused on giving their advisors the tools and the resources they need to compete effectively, because in most cases, they're very growth-minded. And, you know, it's interesting, RIAs in general, smaller RIAs in some ways, uh, and I wrote an article about this for 401k specialists, but I think they view technology as an expense in a lot of cases. And the smaller RIAs, a lot of times, it's interesting, They, they may be more hesitant to invest, not realizing that their competition out there is accelerating a lot more quickly than they probably think. But I've also seen the same thing, and this is for home offices with broker dealers. The feedback I hear from the field in general from advisors is, um, uh, and not naming any names, but that home offices in general, that they're either building things that aren't necessarily valued by advisors or they're prioritizing the wrong things or it just takes forever um, to get things approved, I think, to your point, that kind of slowing that that from an adoption standpoint. And so, you know, I, I think the real opportunity out there for any firm like you need, whether you're a, uh, uh, you know, an independent broker dealer, whether you're an RIA, whether you're one of the aggregators is technology like. That is like the, the, that is the way you're going to scale. That's the way you're going to deliver an efficient experience. That's the way you're going to deliver consistency. I think that's one of the things I hear from the larger firms is how do we deliver and make sure that our advisors are doing things consistently across the board where there's not a lot of kind of one-offs, um, uh, and whatnot. So it is interesting. I I would just argue too, that the, the age of, you know, we have this graying industry. Um, now I got the gray in my beard. It's funny. Like I, I, I deal with, i talk to a lot of younger advisors now, um, and younger, I'm like 35, I say like 35, I'm like, man, I'm one of the, I'm one of the older guys now, um, which is a bit of a different experience. But I think in general, what I've seen is younger advisors are much, (coughs) sorry, much more open to, Leveraging technology. They're more of like digital natives, whereas older advisors are more, hey, I'm maybe on the back nine of my career, or, you know, I'm not real comfortable changing things or doing things differently. So uh, I would say, in general, like financial services is more of a laggard technology wise, but I think the winners of tomorrow are going to be the ones who uh, are much more forward-thinking and willing to view technology as an opportunity and
1: not as kind of a, a potential roadblock. Um, totally, totally agree. Yeah. I think there's, there's definitely a lot of scale benefits, um, that, that you get from it and, and those firms that are innovating and that are working towards that next generation are going to position themselves well for sure.
0: So let's talk a little bit about, um, and obviously, both you and I have a dog in a fight there now that we both sell technology. So obviously we're going uh, to I know for me, but I'm embracing it more and more now in seeing what technology can do. So again, kind of learning point for advisors is really be thinking about uh, thinking about how you invest in technology uh, and, and realize your competitors are so to keep up. You know, you, you need to be uh, you need to be smart about where you're placing bets and, uh, and what you're doing. But one of the, 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 cool things I recently saw on LinkedIn, um, that went around was something that you're doing and, and getting involved with, um, uh, uh around retirement income. And, uh, I think you just joined the kind of industry advisory board for, um, is it, is it risk is the retirement income style awareness? Isn't there like a protocol that like Wade, I think Wade a Wade Fowl. RISA, Um, yeah. RISA,
1: okay. So talk a little bit about what that is. So it's essentially a a categorization system for retirement income. So there's four quadrants that they've developed. And from an analogy perspective, you can think about it maybe akin to a a Morningstar style box for retirement income. And I I had the pleasure of meeting Wade and Alex. Uh, Michelle Richter introduced me to them earlier in 2022. And in 2022, we actually started a retirement income consortium, Broadridge FI360 did, where we've got the largest players in asset management and insurance that are working to make retirement income more available within DC plans. So this was one of the the discussions that I had earlier this year, and I was really intrigued with what they've done. It's the only academically vetted um, empirical data supported methodology that I've seen to help someone decide which type of retirement income solution best fits them, um, so when they they asked me to join their board, I, I jumped at the chance. I, I um, am very impressed not only with the academic rigor that they have behind their solution, but they're also quite pragmatic with how they're thinking about how they roll this out and, and how they implement it. They focused a lot on on individuals taking these assessments. But I'm, I'm really excited at taking that technology, helping them take that technology and apply it towards QDIAs, for example. Um, so thinking about how you can really increase the uptake of retirement income where it makes sense. So it's um, really, really cool, innovative stuff that those two have uh, have put together.
0: Yeah, I, I, I know some of the other industry players, I think, um, is it Ryan Beach from Orion, I think is on that board. And then Bonnie Trikel from uh, Endeavor. I see Bonnie all over the place um uh it's a it's a it's a pretty distinguished uh distinguished group of people and so what what kind of as being part of that board like what what does that what does that look like um in terms of like function for you what what are uh, you doing
1: well it's a it's a part-time advisory role We're we're actually going to have our first meeting in january so i'll tell you if you have me back on i'll tell you after january exactly um you know what it what it means there, but you know in general, it's giving guidance to this um, startup organization, maybe making uh, introductions, helping them figure out go to market strategies and the like. And and I've had a few conversations with them already. Um, certainly, very excited about what they're doing. Um, doesn't conflict with with what I'm doing at Broadridge with with Fi360 at all. If anything, it's very complementary to um, to all that.
0: Thanks for listening to. Uh, Part one of episode number 44 of the Fiduciary You podcast with John Faustino from FI360. Make sure you check out uh, part two. You're not going to want to miss it.